0: Welcome to another edition of the Coast to Coast booty Podcast. I'm Jack Duffy and joining me as always. Looking very uh, dapper in a in a suit there, Jai Thomas. Welcome. Yeah, it's the grand final edition, Jack. <laughs> uh, put away your I didn't get the memo. <laughs> I'm here, here with some ripped jeans on <laughs> and no shoes. That's uh, all good. <laughs> anyway, uh, I guess we'll uh, kick things off. Uh, we'll talk about why don't we talk about the brown light quickly? Yeah. So the first ever remote brown light. Yeah. Lucky um, Locky Neal obviously took it out. 10 best on grounds in 17 games. Pretty impressive effort. Obviously a favourite son of yours, leading Brick Bats to victory fantasy footy this year. But, uh, managed to get him in like the second or third round of the fantasy footy yeah. draft. That's ridiculous in hindsight.
1: But yeah, look, uh, Brown on a Sunday, it's a new thing. Channel 7 still managed to suck all life out of it, <laughs> to be honest, and spread it out over, what, four hours? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, lucky it was a, Deserved winner, yep. thirty-one votes in seventeen games. I Imagine what twenty-two games would have yielded. Yeah, probably a record. Absolutely, Surprise, thirty-six. I think Dusty got thirty-six. Yeah, so
0: he would have absolutely dominated. But uh, but where is Brownlow at, Jack? It's I don't know. It's a real strange one. Like uh, no, there felt like in this year was unique. There was no real build-up or anything. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know what they do. I'm not sure what the right answer is for the Brownlow. I don't know. I think, everyone, you know, I think it hasn't just, been good
1: for twenty years, probably, like since so well, like the days of Scott Wine and Jim Steins being recognised for their roles. Yeah, um, I don't think it's. I think it's for some reason
0: it just became the midfielders' medal and yeah. the umpires just lost touch. to me. Uh, and I think personally, like you look at the winners over the past how uh, many years. Like, don't get me wrong, they all deserve to win the medal. They're brilliant yeah. players, but. I think the umpires are now smart enough, especially with the, you know, in the last however many years, the internet and social media and feedback just to be like, if we're in doubt, Dangerfield can have three, Dusty can have three, we'll give three to Locky Neal, you know what I mean? Like they understand what's happening in the world and they don't want to pick Shane Woden, you know, to win the Brownlow. Like that won't ever happen again. It's just never, Gavin Wanganing, like that kind of thing will never ever happen again. It's, it's just, yeah. There's no perfect
1: model, um, you know, the reality is, yeah, Kevin on, and bloody hell. The, um, you know, the, umps the um so sort of looking at certain things and as you say, you couldn't go to something that's like media led or something no. that's uh, fan led. Like, all of those models are shit. Yeah. Um, the coaches award is probably the best reflection, you know, and some of the fairest and best awards at each club have gone too far, by the way, and like recognising role players, like way beyond like, Something like Brad Shepard should always be a fairest and best candidate at his level of output. Yes. But, you know, some of the results that you get from some guy that's playing, you know, back pocket role, they just sometimes the, the fairest and best in the, in the club sense go a bit too far in recognising, you know, mediocrity uh, and, you know, a good effort for the side but not, you know, the best player. Yeah. So Agreed. So maybe the coaches' votes are the ones where they truly do yield, you know, the kind of best sense of who's... Who's been up to up to task uh, on any given day?
0: I think so. I love the coaches' boats as we know with Gary Metal. We'll oh, talk about yeah. that later on. It's yeah. one of my favourite things, and I, I do think there's no better judge of of the the best players on the ground as two coaches, mm-hmm. the ones that you know obviously know the rules for their own players, and the ones who know uh, which opposition players hurt them the most. I, I yeah. do think that's a true reflection. They get to watch the game from yeah. you know whichever angle they feel like, and it's not like the umpires mm-hmm. where you know they're kind of getting you know, on ground level and and, it's a, and they just follow the big fields around. It's uh, I think it's a better reflection, but uh, I will say it's a pretty impressive story for Lockie Neal. Um, I think he was drafted pick 53 and for the first few years of the Dockers, he really wasn't playing regular football at all. Yeah, I remember watching him run around for Swan Districts uh, a couple yeah. of years uh, into his AFL career and, and he played okay, but, you know, he was just, a, you know, racking up the cheap stats effectively and, you know, even when he left Rio, um I, I never imagined he would, get to the level that he is now. He was by far the best and most influential player in the this year. Oh, yeah. And then, um,
1: you know, Saturday night, the Brisbane really only had one or two good players, and he was certainly one of them, and uh, added elements to his game, kicking like long-range goals now. And uh, and just the possessions he gets aren't cheap anymore. He's fine. He's working hard for them. He's getting getting in and under. And I see, yeah, he's just a fantastic, well-rounded player and a champion of the game. Absolute deserved winner. So for all the Brownlow isn't quite yielding the kind of, you know, multifaceted sort of voting that we want to see. It's hard to deny the, the winners that we've had in Lucky Neil. Yeah. slots into that. What can you tell us about his time in the Dockers and what he was told, uh, you know, <laughs> in terms of home truths? And uh, he alluded to some Ross Lyon bombs uh, from time to time. But, uh, you know, what, what, what was it that got him going and... Uh,
0: well, so why did he actually leave? It's yeah, that's. A, I think that the second question is fascinating. I think you touched on the fact that you know when he showed up to a preseason, Ross Lyon basically mm-hmm. said to him, "If you ever try like ball. this again, you'll be a fat four pocket at Glenelg." And mm-hmm. I think you know that's obviously you know I think you could probably say that about a lot of players. Michael Walters, you know, I'm not saying Ross Lyon gave everyone in that whole AFL a spray, but <laughs> Michael Walters got that message. I think Stevie J got that message at some point. Yeah. Even Gary Ablett yeah. Junior. got that message at some point. So. I think sometimes Stewie didn't get Stewie didn't get this message. Message. <laughs> that's yes. exactly right. but uh, yeah I think uh, you know I think it has something to say for you know sometimes brutal honesty you know if the player wants it badly enough um, yeah. we'll definitely get it get them to the point where they need to be That's why he left Rio I just have to assume it was for the money okay. I mean, you're never going to come out and say that right but. You know, you're standing in that five shadows getting paid incredibly large bucks. And right. maybe Fred didn't quite rate him as highly as Brisbane. Brisbane, maybe a little bit of extra salary cap at the time. You know, they, they didn't have a ton of good players at Brisbane mm-hmm. when he first went across there. And um, I would assume that's that's the only reason. He's obviously not from Queensland. His partner's not from Queensland. Not yeah. quite sure what the appeal would be otherwise. Uh, yeah. I think money talks. There's no player ever admits yeah. They're leaving just for the money. But ultimately, it's a factor in. Most most scenarios.
1: Yeah, it was probably a matter then of weighing up, like people do sacrifice money um, for, a, for a club culture that they like or a premiership window that they're in. Maybe neither of those things were particularly, you know, well in place at the Dockers at the time, so taking the extra money
0: was was a reasonably easy decision. Yeah, maybe reading the play at free, obviously they were gone, you know, since he's left, they haven't been performing that well in yeah. Brisbane and been in the opposite direction, so... Yeah. And and look, regardless, it's been the right decision for him. Yeah, I don't know if he would have become this player at Fremantle. Exactly. And uh, what he's become now is is really unbelievable, to be honest. And the issue is, he's is played what four finals and yeah, lost three, three.
1: yeah, five, and four. But in any case, yeah. they're uh, you know. It should be in the grand final at some point. Yeah, so so let's talk
0: obviously, about that now. Yeah. I think I think we sat here last Monday and I did say it would be incredibly disappointing if both Brisbane and Port didn't make the grand final. Yeah, it's fucked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but purely from a, a club perspective, obviously they had the home prelims, yeah. and you know we can we can sit here and argue about the merits of the pre final buy and the results as we did last week about the club that have won that first final and, and lost, and the numbers are skewed in in favour of losing that first week and actually, you know, not playing one yeah. game in three or four weeks. Um, but we'll, maybe we'll touch on that later. But I thought Brisbane were incredibly disappointing. Like, that was yeah. incredible. Like, don't get me wrong. And, and take nothing away from Geelong who we were clinical. Yeah. Um, Brisbane honestly obviously, obviously deserved to probably lose yeah. by 80 points. Yeah, that were horrific. And uh, what's more is
1: I felt like they had the run of, you know, of the umpiring decisions. For all. They're not really a factor. I just felt like, like everything was kind of... Going their way, and then they just they just fucked up every opportunity, and uh, and then Geelong took the game away from them. But again, that's as much about the stifling nature of Geelong. Their backline was sensational for mine. You know, Al Stewart doing his thing; he's been excellent. But um, you know, even guys like, fucking Jed Buse, Lucky Henderson, and stuff. Oh, what the hell is going on? These guys—they like, are—they are immense as a unit. You know, Jack Henry floating around. What am I saying at the end of the game right? yeah. now uh, you just yeah. got yeah you just got to applaud the, the, the stifling nature of their defense because they kept uh,
0: you know a reasonably free-flowing Brisbane forward line to, to really being very average That's right and I think this is, this is the question and I'm not an overly astute football analyst, but if you play slow, slow against Geelong, you'll never ever ever beat them. And Brisbane had no dare. Mm. they didn't even try and move the ball quickly and like okay, sure. Credit to Geelong for obviously implementing a plan to slow that down, but Brisbane played with absolutely no balls yeah. whatsoever. It was, yeah, it was. It was incredibly disappointing um, from that point of view. Like they said before the game, we're going to come out, we're going to try and move the ball quick, and you have to do that. that's how Richmond beat Geelong every single time that they play them, and that would be fascinating to watch this week. But uh, Brisbane really just didn't didn't even yeah. have any any kind of flair about their game. They didn't really take the game on at all. They just. We content to bomb the ball down the line yeah. and uh, or bomb the ball blindly, and uh, and Geelong was sitting back and they were, they lapped that up. Mm. And like you said, their backs like Tom Stewart and Blitzars and these guys, you know, they yeah. Harry Taylor, they eat that for breakfast. So. And then a beautiful little bald man had a massive
1: third quarter. And, yeah, you know, a couple of at least one little flip pass from Dangerfield yeah. off the ground, but uh, you know Gary Abbott was just uh, sensational. You know, less stats these
0: days, but the impact is there, and it was great to see. Uh, great to doing. him do it. Yeah, br- brilliant by Geelong. We, should, we shouldn't just drag all the negative attention onto Brisbane. I think, I like, think we I have. I think we've given Geelong you know, a lot of compliments here. Yeah. Tom Hawkins' um, 450 50 Ruck work is just like, it's a theme of beauty. Like every week I keep expecting it to, to not happen. And every week he beats experienced ruckmen at the boundary throw-ins. Yeah. It's actually a hooker to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't get over it. Mitch Duncan continues to play just br- brilliant league. football um, yeah, yeah Menengola does his thing Menengola runs around and yeah it's just their, their last two you weeks it, yeah, their last two weeks have been excellent mm-hmm. and the first week of finals I thought you know they, were, they played port really well they were probably a few missed shots of goal away from, from winning mm-hmm. that game I think their form heading into the grand final is as good as you could ask for and I tip my hat to the Cats and, and Chris Scott they've been waiting since 2011 to be in another grand final and they haven't shown up on the big stage many times. They've they've choked on a lot of occasions. They've been blown out of the water early in games. So I think last year they had a lead against Richmond for a majority of the game into the third quarter and got beaten in that prelim. And it's been a long time coming for them. And uh, you know, there's not too many guys left from from that 2011 side still running around. So it's an exciting time to be a Cats fan. And yeah. uh, and best of luck to them on the weekend. Like, I don't think you could ask for a better lead into the game.
1: No, and no, you know that. Cat fans have probably been around the mark for a long time, but, yep. you know, everyone can acknowledge that it's been, you know, 2011's a long time ago, so, yeah, it's great for them to be back in the uh, in the big dance, and, and I guess, you know, they probably rate themselves every chance against the Richmond outfit that's, uh, that's, you know, flying pretty well, but all things are equal on
0: uh, uh, grand final on a Saturday night at the Gabba <laughs> <laughs> oh it's going to be it's going to be so weird to be honest but uh, well let's talk about the, the Port Richmond game um, just, let's touch on Brisbane for a second um, you know Hipwood
1: was terrible missed 30, 30 metres out directly in front of a pivotal moment just couldn't nail it yeah looks a bit mentally you know suspect yeah Daniel McStay he's like <laughs> Just an elite body shape and a great pair of hands, but, you yeah, know, doesn't quite do it too often. So does that mean Joe Danaher's kind of the answer? I think they're hoping he'll be the answer. No doubt about that. Confirmed. Yeah. You know, if they'd been playing a grand final, he'd kick kicks four or five, McStay with, you know, Shane Ellen style. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Barnard, Paul Bowles in the grand final. popped up. Yeah.
0: Danaher's not looking so good, but yeah. bombing out the finals like they did, you know, those guys not really having an impact. Yeah. No, I think I think obviously he's he's a big improvement. If he's fit and firing, he's obviously a massive improvement on on either of those guys, um, and and definitely can bring bring that. You know, he's he's not just a good forward line player, but he can play that second ruck role. He can get around the ground. His field kicking is actually much better than his kicking a goal yeah. on, down here, and he does take the game on um, when he gets the ball up around the wings. So I really like that about about the way that he plays. So. I think, I mean, Brisbane aren't missing too many pieces. I know, you know, there's some questions thrown around their midfield, but I think Lockie Neal, Jared Berry, uh, Jared Lyons, oh, yeah. Hugh McCluggage, Zach yeah. Bailey, oh, think like these guys yeah. are good. Now, Ryan Lester was almost the best 35 on the ground um, <laughs> on Saturday night yeah. until he missed that goal late, yeah. uh, unfortunately, and then uh, he'll be back to the Neafle. Is, <laughs> that, is that still surviving? I'm not sure. And Harris Andrews is brilliant. So, yeah. you know, the back line's pretty rock solid. Daniel Rich, obviously, had a poor game on the weekend but he was their best player in the oh, first still nailed some
1: impressive targets so uh, yeah the um you know and then Charlie Cameron Co. yes
0: yeah, it's, it's all fine yeah made a couple yeah you would English expect them players. to be in the in the preliminary final yeah. again next year and competing again for sure um all right let's talk still. Richmond Richmond Port yeah i thought Port were pretty impressive to be honest yeah um i think i sat here last monday and said that Know, Richmond flog St Kilda in the in the clearances and you know that won't happen again against Port. And I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Richmond absolutely dominated Port yeah. in the clearances. But even with that, I really thought Port had a lot of opportunities to win this game. And uh, yeah, they just I think just a bit of a lack of finals experience, a bit of a lack of composure and and it just wasn't quite enough. But uh, you know, I really liked the signs there. I thought you know Rosie was really good in a big final, I thought Dersmond was pretty good, yeah. I thought Zach Butters was really good. Um, you know, for three young kids to play pretty well in, a, in an elimination final is, is super impressive. Um, and, yeah, Houston yeah, well, was another good young player. And they just, you know, I don't know what was going on with the delivery out-of-bounds rules. There was like 50 free kicks paid on Friday night for deliberate and none on Saturday. Yeah, that- but it was just such a strange game with, with that and the rain and everything yeah. just kind of suited Richmond and Port. They were super fierce at the contest, put yeah. their over the ball. But just uh, Richmond just uh, a little bit more composed at the end, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some shockers in there and there's deliberates. Once they pay one, they kind of feel like they've made their bed, but I'd actually just be doing the opposite and saying, look, maybe I got one wrong. I don't know. The the reality is just leave the deliberate rule alone, Um, you know, in terms of paying them in big finals. Yeah. uh, They let all the other rules go. uh, It's just like,
0: just don't pay it. Especially in the the rainy, wet conditions (laughs) where it's hard, you know? Yeah. I just felt like there was no mercy for any uh, of the players. And just, you know, uh, the umpires are notoriously
1: bad at recognising when someone's trying to, you know, hit a target versus and put the ball out of bounds, so just just let it go. But, yeah. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, they, they've they got good service out of Rockliffe um, and Boak this year, two older guys, so, you know, Boak obviously sinking the brown low. Um, it's an interesting time, having made a prelim, got... Coke, Wines Rockleaf leading their midfield. Robbie Gray's kind of pinch hitting. Yeah, those guys are getting older. Um, Wines isn't that old, but uh, yeah, it's an exciting time for the Port, given what's coming through. But you just wouldn't want them to get it wrong and get the transition sort of done badly and, uh, and fade away. So, I doubt that'll happen. They seem they seem pretty solid, uh, and that those kids are too good to not you know to not come through and do good things. But uh, just felt like a bit of a wasted opportunity for them after the entire season that they've had. Uh, Brad Ebert goes, uh, Westhoff goes for all. You know, he had been pretty average the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they have to rebuild around uh, other players. So yeah, I think uh, I think the future is genuinely pretty bright um, if they can uh, if they can sort of get that transition happening, properly. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a, it is it's it's an exciting time for Port. Um, he probably, Stevie Motlop goes. shortly. Um, it's a bit of a bit of a hole yeah. um, in the side there, unfortunately. Um, on the flip side for Richmond, uh, you know, no one tagged Dusty Martin, and Dusty Martin did what Dusty did. Thought Nank was excellent yeah, and probably, like Dusty, yeah, probably one of the best players on the ground as well. Ng Curvis mm-hmm. um, just uh, coming up against Lysette and um, Laddams. I just thought he was uh, he was really important for for Richmond, It just goes to show. I think as you know, we've spoken about a lot, you know. You, but Ruckman, you know, they come in various shapes and sizes and, and do different things well. And He, he doesn't really win the hit-outs, but Richmond still dominated the clearances, and I think he had 10 tackles and and 10 outs uh, or something like that in some mm. slippery conditions. So um, that was very impressive. Have um, you got anything more to add about this game? I or? Think just, you know, again, shows. You've got to admire Richmond.
1: They have, you know, Dusty was excellent. Um mm-hmm. But the rest of the side all just played their role, and uh, no one had massive numbers. You uh, said Nate had ten tackles, and that was surely a game high, which is incredible for a ruckman. But you know, was, they just they find a way to play reasonably selfless footy for all? You know, we're all sick of them, um, and it shows on the stat sheet or the lack of stats. Um, and their style works, so you know I think it's it's admirable again, particularly in the slop, and it really suited them. And uh, and I like, you know. Brisbane had hoped for, uh, I mean Richmond. Sorry, Geelong had hoped for some drier conditions on a Saturday night, in Brisbane next week. Yeah, absolutely. So who do you who do you like for the weekend, JT, in your astute opinion? Uh yeah, it's it's a fascinating uh, question because you know Richmond are you know Brisbane fast paced team. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, you know don't rely on big numbers, but they seem to you know play their role. Geelong uh, kind of the opposite bit slower I suppose and uh, but I think, uh, I think I think I yeah, think it's hard to pick a winner I'd probably say Geelong just because you know feels like feels like destiny's moving in that space yeah you
0: send Gary Abel out in style and possibly Harry Taylor yeah I don't know I just I think I'll go for Richmond you Yeah, know? I just think you know for everything I just said before about Geelong being the most impressive side in the final so far um Richmond have had their number recently. And I just think the Richmond will move the ball really quickly and you know, not going to give Geelong's back line a chance to settle. I um, mean, that's going to be the key to the game. I think Geelong have the best defence in terms of defending opposition sides out of their back 50, if that makes sense. And Richmond are the best team of scoring out of their defensive 50. Hmm. And, uh, you know, that's probably going to win the game. I think, uh, you know, Dusty and Dangerfield and all these great players probably even themselves out. It's just going to be coming down to those... Yep. role players you know my favourite player Cameron McIntosh uh, you know guys <laughs> like this Jeff Hughes like you said before I mean I don't care what anyone says but I'm
1: sending as hard a tag as possible to Dusty this week because you know he's the game breaker on yep. the one that breaks it open forward if you put a heart, put the clamps on Dusty easier said than done then someone else has got to a- Do it, and I just don't understand why there hasn't been more attention. I'm just trying to quell his
0: impact um, over the finals today. Yeah, it's unbelievable, really. I mean, he's their best player by a mile. He's their most influential player, especially forward of Mm. centre. I mean, I know it's easy to say you just send someone to lock down on him, but um, you just have to do it in the grand (laughs) final. I don't think you want to lose a grand final to Richmond knowing that Dustin Martin was the best player on the ground and you really didn't try anything to to stop that from happening. Yeah. Like, it's just the most obvious thing. Yeah, exactly. And if you've got a guy like Cam Guthrie that's kind of all Australian, got the
1: right sort of attributes to do it, then you, then you back it in. Didn't you believe Jolene boats?
0: Cam Guthrie? I assume he's won I the uh, he Gary medal. <laughs> so, right. yeah. so the Gary medal, there's three blokes in the running for it. There's Mitch Duncan, he's on 19, and then there's uh, Dusty's on 18, and then Paddy Dangerfield's on 9, so they're the only three that can win. So it's a prestigious award. I think Dusty's taken it before. So what well, danger can equal Mitch Duncan if Mitch Duncan gets no votes? Yeah, so I'd like to see Mitch Duncan win it. It'd be great to see WA WA champion get the Garys. Yeah. So um, in further good news for for Geelong, uh, big news today was that Jeremy Cameron's come out and suggested that uh, you know he's going to test the free agency waters and try and get his way to Geelong. Can I just... Again, I guess, we said this last uh, time with Danaher and Brisbane. Uh, Geelong
1: don't need this shit this week. No. Nah. Like, yeah, it's great. Uh, but they've got a grand final
0: to win. No, I can't get it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, poor, the, poor blokes like Jeremy Jenkins and Radagalita will be, uh, you know, spending the week worrying about their future. <laughs> so, and rightfully so. But you think, I guess the bigger discussion is like, and there's been a lot of talk about it of late, but what is... It was, and I know you can't stop free agency from happening and I don't want to but do you think it's having a, a positive effect on, on the AFL?
1: Oh no, the, you know it's, I mean the, the NBA, the same thing happens the small market teams um, don't attract the players and, uh, and you know the AFL's got much more of a go home factor whatever that means um, than other sports do uh, so yeah the, uh, the North Melbournes of the world are always going to lose out you know, the, the South Australian and the West Australian clubs probably do fine. Uh, they'll lose a few to the go-home and they'll gain a few. Uh, Brisbane and Sydney, um, the Brisbane-based, Sydney-based clubs, they're not, or the Queensland clubs, they're not really set up to handle free agency too well. They'll, you know, they'll get a lot of leakage back yeah. in Melbourne. Uh, so from my perspective, as it's currently set up, the, the WA and SA size come out probably neutral, the Queenslands and Sydney sides come out worse. Uh, the the mino Victor- or the smaller Victorian clubs don't come out of it particularly well. So it really benefits small handful of the more cashed up and powerful Victorian clubs. I would think.
0: Yeah, yeah. A fair summary. I think that's an absolute absolutely. It's a fair summary. I think you know we've seen already Tom Lynch you know go from the cellar dwellers to a, a side that was in the top four. It's happening again with Jeremy Cameron. Happening with Joe Danaher, although not going to a big Victorian club. Happened with James Sprawley You know, we've seen this story again and again, and this was always going to happen. And uh, I don't think that there's a real problem with it. I don't know. How, I don't know if it's anything that needs to be solved, other than if, if you want to attract free agents, you just got to make your club better. And Brisbane were in no position to attract any free agents to their club. Yeah. You know, five years ago. Yeah. And you know, in the last few years, they've managed to get Lockie Neal, and they've managed to get now Joe Danaher. Provided that gets done, yeah. managed to get Jared Lyons, yeah. uh, the enlisted player from the Gold Coast Suns, to come across. So yeah. I just think that I mean, someone like a North Melbourne has the
1: opportunity to become a, a destination club. They just haven't shown the capability to do it. Yeah, uh, and it's gonna going to be to hard for the Gold Coast to, yeah. um, you know, position themselves. They're going to have to have amazing facilities. Yeah, uh, win a few finals, have a you know, grow their supporter base like it's. It's pretty huge, and the same recipe applies for a North Melbourne, but they're in the heart of Melbourne, so they should have,
0: you know, an easier time of it. They just, you know, what's what's the path for North Melbourne? Obviously, the coach is taking an extended period of leave, and you would assume they will need to make a call at some point whether he's going to be back or not. Because if he's not, and I assume he won't be, they need to have a coach in place for free agency, for for the trade period, for the draft. Like, I, I feel like, you know, things have gone from, from bad to north yeah. this year. It's and hard to attract a good free
1: agent um, in, uh, if you don't have a coach or, you know, any kind of plan. Uh, that being said, they shouldn't be out there targeting free agents. Sharon Pollack, you know, <laughs> Jasper Pittard, Don Parson. These guys didn't work. How I'm right. never going to work. Stinks Hall. Uh, the only method for North Melbourne at this point is to build from the draft, and they've just got to be acquiring young talent yeah. that way, cashing in whatever chips they can. Sean Higgins, if they can, you know, get a second rounder for him, if they can turn a second
0: rounder into a first round, whatever, do it. Goldstein, yeah. do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going to be a long road back for North. It's just uh, unfortunately for them, and we joke about North Melbourne a lot being irrelevant but it's actually it's it's not a joke anymore. It, it li- yeah. literally is the truth. Um, and they've got a whole point to start to cl- climb their way back, unfortunately. So uh, JT, anything else you wanna touch on this week leading up to the leading up to the grand final? Anything you're looking forward to? Half time entertainment? I don't even know who it is. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um,
1: no, not really. I mean it's been a great Yeah, you've got to commend the AFL for getting through it in the way that they have. Um, There's no asterisks on this season in any way, shape or form for mine. It's it's been one of the hardest seasons to probably win, um, given all that's going on. So, yeah, shout out to the AFL for just being able to find a way to see it through. They didn't always make the right call, but they were reasonably proactive. Um, The 17 and a half minute thing, hopefully that goes back. To, uh, or whatever the 16 minute thing is, it goes back to 20 minutes next year and get full games and full value in the season 22 rounds would be nice again yeah. uh, I, I don't know how you feel about the 17 round thing uh, you know it's tested a certain concept not not entirely fairly because you know it wasn't a home and away season uh, with clubs playing
0: in the bubble but uh, I feel like 22 is still the way to go I, th- I think the thing that's become clear to me this year is that I really don't want any more condensed fixtures Mm. I think I enjoy, you know, one game a week. Utilise yeah. that. Utilise that Friday to Sunday time slot. Yeah. We don't we don't traditional, traditional fixed dream is still you know, the best. We don't want footy frenzies every year. Like no. like we don't need Tuesday night, Wednesday night footy. Yeah. We don't need Thursday doubleheaders with games starting at two thirty in the yeah. afternoon in WA. Um, go back to what works best, whether that's you know, I know they want extra games and stuff, I just think there's no need to go any more than twenty-two with a yeah. buy-round, have twenty-three get rid of the pre-finals, bye, yeah. get into the finals. Just yeah. put it back to how it was. It was just brilliant. Yeah. You know, we've seen with the Big Bash, you muck around with stuff. And people lose interest. People lose interest. You don't want more games. Mm-hmm. More games in the Big Bash, people couldn't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And that's a complete debacle. Let's not go down that path. Mm-hmm. Let's just stick to what we've got. 20-minute quarters, 22-round season. Yeah, we've met, That's never been a problem in the past. No. It's just enough. Yeah, like it's not too much, yeah. it's not overkill. I don't even can a lot of the Thursday nights. Like yeah, there's uh, there's
1: a, a Thursday night here and there would be fine. Anzac Day, whatever day it falls, that kind of thing. But don't overdo it. Yeah, Just, you know, keep yeah. it tight on the Friday to Sunday arrangements and uh, have a few departures from that and
0: uh, and keep it traditional. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be a fascinating Grand final. It's going to be a fascinating off season to see. What happens with the salary cap? What happens with player movement? What happens with the AFL making decisions for the game on the way forward? So, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be up for it, and uh, hopefully it'll be an eventful off season, JT. Sounds good, guys. Yeah, enjoy yourself. Yeah, thanks
1: for uh, thanks for having me this year, and we'll do it all again next year, I suppose. Yeah, and have
0: a good cricket season, especially if you're going to wear that suit every week. So, <laughs> hey, you
1: can come to an arrangement.
0: Yeah. Hey, to all of our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Much appreciated. Enjoy the grand final, and uh, and we'll speak to you soon.